It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's a Wednesday. That means that usually you have something going on, but we're actually going to get to our mailbag early this week. So we're submitting your questions via our email address as well as on social media. We're going to answer all those and also talk about what might be causing BYU's issues this season. There's one particular stat out there that I think can help yield what might be going on, at least in one facet. Allow us to explain. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. Apologies if my voice sounds a little bit off today. I had some time with my daughter at a cheer competition, and also I think I might be coming down with a sore throat. So apologies if my voice sounds a little bit off today, but nonetheless, we will battle through this. And a big thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. Our title sponsor on today's show is our friends over at LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs is helping you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn com slash locked on college that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free right now terms and conditions apply all right let's get right into it on today's show and i saw a crazy crazy tweet uh, come out from jay drew of course from the desert news fantastic beat reporter covering all things byu football and it made me kind of pause and think i'm like man that's a, that's a crazy number so let me throw this at you right off the bat and let's uh, let's try and examine what might ultimately uh, be causing this but jay drew tweeted this byu football has had 42 different starters this season, 19 of them on offense, 23 on defense. That is tied for the third most in the country. Only New Mexico with 47. Crazy to think half their roster at New Mexico has practically started this year. And then Texas A&M, a preseason top 10 team is very much uh, disappointed, similar to BYU. They've started 43 players uh, in their starting lineups this year. Now, Obviously, uh, some of that's due to injury, some of that's due to scheme. BYU, we all know that the, the rotations they were running this year, especially on defense that have, thankfully, by the way, have kind of gone by the wayside, at least with Kalani Sitake taking over the defense of the last two weeks. But 23 uh, different starters on defense means there are two full lineups plus of guys who have started a game at uh, various positions this year for the BYU football program. That's way too many. Obviously, some of them due to injury. We heard uh, yesterday that Elisa Tuiaki said that both Peyton Wilgar and Max Tuli are not practicing. Uh, based on what we understand, neither injury is considered season-ending at this point, but folks, we're running up close to the end of the season. We're in the month of November. There are three games remaining here uh, for BYU. So to think that uh, they they can't sit out much longer, let's be real, and expect that to be, well, they're going to be back in a matter of days. Also, Kalani Satake saying on his uh, show on BYU TV, the head coach's show, I don't remember what they call it, uh, BYU Football with Kalani Satake, I think is what they call it, on BYU TV. Uh, he revealed that Christopher Brooks is doubtful to play this week at Boise State. So you could be down two of your top linebackers. You could be down your top running back. Uh, BYU is the walking mash unit right now. They needed a bye week 
three weeks ago. And unfortunately, the bye week does not come until next week. It's crazy to think 10 straight weeks of football anybody thought was a good idea. And let me also clarify, I don't think that Tom Homo and anybody who has anything to do with scheduling for BYU football had any intention of making the schedule this way. If they did, it's completely wrong and they should absolutely answer for that. But I don't think they had the intention of that. But getting back to the original point, when you have 42 different guys starting a game for your football program, that's crazy to think about. Half, and that's about half, 42 and a half would be half of the 85-man scholarship limit. Uh, 42 of your guys inside the BYU football program have started at least a game this year. It's crazy to me. I was actually stunned it was 19 on offense, but I guess the more I think about it, the running back position has been a constant revolving door. Offensive line has had some shakeups. The wide receiving core, with all the injuries they've endured, yeah, it's been it's been absolutely a kind of a mishmash of guys out there every single day. And uh, there are people out there, I know that some of you listening to this are going to say, Jake, well, they need to get more on the strength and conditioning staff. They need to get, well, fire the strength and conditioning staff and get new people in there. Honestly, folks, let me say this. I think I said it on yesterday's podcast answering that question. Is that BYU has actually filled out their strength and conditioning staff to the max that it can right now. They have finally invested in that side of it. Now, does that mean it should have immediate dividends? You would think it would have some dividends, but let's also acknowledge, I think we lose sight of one thing here when it comes to the quote-unquote injury bug that BYU has endured. Injuries happen. This is a violent game. Football is violent. It is organized chaos. It's organized violence. I had a buddy in high school, and like I said, I never played, played past the high school level. I had a buddy who came and played football with us, ended up being a fairly decent player, but his original intention to come out and play football, according to what he told us, was because he was sick of getting in trouble for getting in fistfights in school. So he figured, you know what? Might as well put a helmet and some pads on and actually hit people within the legal bounds of the game of football. It's a violent, violent game. There are collisions happening, folks, and injuries happen. Uh, the biggest thing is, and I know that some of you out there are going to well, well, why so many injuries? Well, here's the thing. I've uh, been looking at kind of a, a, a mishmash of, okay, what injuries have BYU guys suffered? And you look at the list of injuries that BYU has suffered. Typically, you look at what's going on with, uh, okay, is it a bunch of hamstring injuries? Is it ankle injuries? Like, you look and see if there's a rash of the same type of injury, and at that point, you can kind of go back and look at it. On Honestly, this year, it has been completely all over the map. We have gone from a lacerated kidney for Gunnar Romney all the way to the other side with sprained ankles, uh, uh, maybe an Achilles injury, according to one report for Chaz Ayu. There is no, I feel like... I don't know. Uh, there's no hard and fast reason as to how or what is happening with the BYU injury situation. But the other thing about this is, starting that many players, you need to narrow in on your guys. That's the other thing about this. this. Is the other point I wanted to make is that 42 guys is way too many to have started. Are injuries, like I said, going to play a role in some of the guys you start each year? Absolutely. But I don't think anybody can tell me that they have had so many injuries on the BYU defense this year they have been forced to start 23 different guys. I do not believe that for a second. Uh, that 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 holds no water in my in my book that that's just that's the rotation of BYU well we, we go three guys and then three plays and then they get out they're back they're right off the football field and they're they're getting back to 100% before they get them back out there no you can't have that. You got to narrow in, and we talk about with offensive linemen all the time. You want to narrow in on it, maybe at most your top eight guys, and that is your set rotation. And ideally, you've got five guys along that offensive line. They play the majority of the reps together. They get that continuity. They get that camaraderie. They just get used to playing together. And th- frankly, the BYU's defense with the constant rotations, the defensive line, the linebacking core, the the safeties, the cornerbacks, just in and out of the lineup. When are you ever? 
going to develop that continuity. I actually thought the continuity came towards the later stages of the game last week against East Carolina when BYU was not rotating as much. They had a pretty tight rotation. I did not see nearly as many bodies in the game for BYU in that one. They had, a, I thought, a top uh, two at each position. And if they needed to rotate, essentially that was it. I never saw them go to the threes that we've seen and maybe the fours in certain circumstances. The injuries to the flash linebacker position accepted because when you have guys go down due to injury, you obviously have to dig deeper into your depth chart. But I think that uh, there, that number is crazy, and it has led to some of the issues BYU has faced this year. But I don't think it's necessarily the issue as to why BYU has dropped four straight games and is suddenly facing the prospect of potentially going bowlless uh, this December. So the bigger thing is, I think BYU is learning along the way here. Should they have learned this stuff earlier on? Absolutely. I think there's a lot of things uh, mired in what BYU is doing right now in terms of their overall scheme, uh, their overall philosophy defensively. A lot of stuff is carryover from last year, and BYU's offense last year was so dynamic and so efficient in terms of scoring points. Even with uh, the funny thing, if you go back to the record books, I still need to do this. I think if you go back to to the game logs for BYU, even going back to the 2021 season, BYU's offense has been so efficient at scoring points. They have actually scored points, more points, I guess, relative to the amount of possessions they have had in the past two or three seasons versus what's going on this year. There have been multiple games, we've all seen it with our own eyes, where opposing teams have dominated the time of possession, have dominated the possessions, have outsnapped BYU in offense by nearly 2-1 to one in terms of overall plays. That stuff is absolutely going to kill you because when you get the ball back on offense, and Clark Barrington said this on last week's podcast, and uh, we had a scheduling snafu, we're supposed to have him on today, just a, a teaser, we'll get him on tomorrow, that's the current plan, uh, but he said it last week is that when we don't have necessarily the snaps that we're used to having, it feels you feel like you need to press a little bit. You need to get out there and make the most of every opportunity. And if you're essentially overplaying, that leads to, in many ways, failure more than even underplaying or uh, taking a playoff, if that makes sense. You're you're trying to do too much, and that can cause an issue. And I think that may have plagued what BYU's offense has faced this year. So I, it's it's not a, a tell-all, be-all, end-all, be-all uh, statement with regards to BYU being the third most uh, def- starters across the board in college football, but you can't tell me that has not affected BYU's overall continuity and their ability to play as a team. These are guys that you talk about doing your 111th, well, you're not sure who the other 11 guys are out there with you on any circumstance, in any certain circumstance, in particular on BYU's defense, how can you necessarily buy wholeheartedly into what they're trying to do? I'm not trying to give them an excuse. I'm not trying to give them an out. I'm just trying to add some context to some of the struggles BYU's had this year. It's going to be a tough game this week going into Boise State. You're going to be shorthanded. It looks like multiple players you would like to have on the field in a matchup with a team, by the way, that Boise State has won four straight games. They have really found themselves after a midseason coordinator switch. They lost to UTEP, fired their offensive coordinator, inserted Dirk Cutter, uh, the former NFL offensive coordinator and head coach, and they've kind of really taken off. They haven't necessarily been prolific on offense, but they have done enough with one of the stingiest defenses in the entire country to win games. They have won four straight versus BYU, who has lost four straight. Something's got to give on Friday night, and we'll continue to get you ready for that as the week progresses here. All right, coming up here in just a minute, it is your time to shine. Usually we do the mailbag on Thursday, but with Clark Barrington joining us on Thursday, moving the mailbag up a day. We'll get to some of your questions, some of you submitted via email, a couple sent in via social media. We'll get to all those here momentarily. First, though, a word on our friends over at LinkedIn. I absolutely love this company because LinkedIn, they've been a huge sponsor of ours all football season long. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100 
100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is helping uh, helping you find the right people for your team faster and for free. All you got to do is go online, uh, whatever job you're looking for, fill out the description, then add your job title and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to help spread the word that you're hiring. They feature simple tools like screening questions, making it easier to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire and is why small businesses are rating LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Once again, that's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Today's show is also brought to you by one of our great local sponsors, a new local sponsor, by the way, and I love this company because I do my banking with them. That's our friends over at UCCU. Yes, Utah Community Credit Union. They're offering a 15-month saving certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.00%, my friends. Plus, you can jump up to an even higher rate of return anytime during the life of that certificate. As I mentioned, 15 months. The best part about this is it helps you uh, save some money. So you can open these accounts for as little as $500. And then at one time, anytime during the life of your savings certificates, you can jump up your interest rates. If the yields continue to grow, you get to take advantage of that. Think about this. It's a win-win. The best part is opening a a UCCU savings certificate is super easy. You can do it online, over the phone, or just stop by any UCCU branch, and they're everywhere, my friends. You all know that. You've seen them around Utah County. But remember, this offer is only for a limited time, so take advantage of it now. If you have a savings account, they're just sitting a standard savings uh, account on your you, I'm saying, a savings account. You can get a UCCU savings certificate right now and your savings can start working harder and earn you more. Visit uccu.com to learn more and get a savings certificate today. Also, the best part is uh, UCCU, they're here to make it really easy on you guys. I can t- attest to this. I have been banking with them since the day I opened my, my first bank account, my, my savings account. I'm probably like eight. I, I don't know how young I was. I've had it for years. UC, UCCU, absolutely incredible. So once again, visit uccu.com to learn more to get, to get that savings certificate started today. UCCU, love where you bank. All right, time now to answer your guys' questions on social media, but a quick reminder before we do that, though, to check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter to the most uh, to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with the local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today is available on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, on to your questions now. Our good friend JT Lamoureux sent this in. He said, Jake, i got a question for your mailbag segment of the podcast. Whenever you do that this next week, he's actually sent this in uh, earlier on in the week. So the coaches keep talking about analytics book that they use in situations like when they go for it on fourth down and what plays to use in those situations. Why hasn't it been thrown out the window and burned yet? That's a great question, JT, especially considering this, as he notes. BYU has gone for it on fourth down 20 times this season. That's tied for 20th most in the football bowl subdivision this year, but they are currently ranked tied for 128th out of 131 teams in fourth down conversions with just five. That is a healthy conversion percentage of just 25 percent. Says I've looked and whenever it's fourth and two or less, exception of the Epps TD versus Notre Dame, they have run it up the middle with a back out of shotgun or pistol or a QB sneak. Why do they continue to rely on this analytics book when it clearly hasn't resulted in much success? I'm all for going it up for it on fourth down in these situations, but I feel like there needs to be more creativity in those kinds of plays, whether you use uh, maybe Mason Wake or Houston Haymuley. So the bigger thing is that uh, you're looking at this and I think JT's got a very good point. You're you're obviously very aggressive. BYU said they they're tied for 20th for crazy enough that that's actually a low uh, ranking for me. 20 times they've gone for it on fourth down. And I trust JT when he does this because he actually has been a very, very thorough uh, it, 
person when it comes to his thoughts on the matter when it comes to BYU football. So if he's gone back and looked at that, they have run the ball in fourth and two out of shotgun. And frankly, I said it on Saturday when BYU went for that first fourth down and handed off to Miles Davis on fourth and two from shotgun. What are you doing? Get under center. Uh, and the, the other thing about it is they went for that fourth down later in the game and they actually uh, maybe in a way overthought things because it was a, it was a rollout. Uh, ECU blitzed right into it. It was a really, really tough play for Jaron Hall to make. He tries to dump it over the top of an onrushing defender. Mason Wake tries to, to kind of pluck it out of the air, ends up, it goes incomplete. Uh, in some ways, I feel like BYU has gotten away from some of their tried and true methods with regards to their thought process when it comes to fourth down. And I'm just saying that as an observer. I'm not saying I know anything on the inside with regards to this, but the numbers, as you mentioned, JT. They're not good. That 25% on fourth down, it's abysmal. And it has cost BYU in multiple circumstances this year. Think of that deal in the Notre Dame game. They decide to take Christopher Brooks out of the game. I know he had his ankle wrapped. I get all that. But he's 235 pounds. And I love Lopini Katoa. But Pini got absolutely stoned in the hole on that play. And yeah, maybe, he, maybe Christopher Brooks has the exact same thing happen to them. To him, excuse me. But I would prefer to have my 235-pound sledgehammer of a running back coming downhill in that circumstance. You also have the thought of, hey, why not use Mason Wake or Houston Haymuley? Well, I can tell you this much. I don't know why Houston Haymuley is not seeing the field. Honestly, I, I it baffles me to no end. This was a guy who was a starting fullback for the Stanford Cardinal. He's played at the Power 5 level for multiple years. He is not a scrub. He's not a guy who sat on the bench out there in Palo Alto. He was a starting fullback for some fantastic running offenses. I know that later on in his career, it didn't necessarily be as prolific as it, as it probably could or should have been. And that, I think ultimately caused him to decide to look at his other options. But why are you not using a guy like that? He, he has come to BYU. He has ingratiated, ingratiated himself into the BYU football program. He's a 265-pound fullback. You can guarantee, I think, if he comes downhill on somebody, he absolutely is going to make sure that they, he, he lets them feel what he can do. And I, I would assume that he's able to move some human beings out of the way with all that girth because he's, he's done it before. Mason Wake can do the same thing. He's 260 pounds in his own right. I know Mason looks more svelte than that, but I've talked to him. I asked him what he was weighing at one point. He said, I'm 260 pounds. I was like, you're not 260. He's like, he showed me a picture. He's a legit at 260. Uh, maybe he's lost some of that weight at some point this year, but earlier this season, he showed me the picture. He is 260 pounds. Why are you not taking advantage of that? I don't know. Frankly, I do not know the thought process for Aaron Roderick, Fessy Satake, uh, and, and for that case, Ed Lamb, Kalani Satake, that brain trust that makes the decision on on these analytics, but BYU was so good the past two years with regards to the analytics and going for it on fourth down. They actually were very efficient in 2020 and 2021. And maybe it's just the the kind of the flip side of the coin here is that when you gamble as much as you, as you have, sometimes it comes up uh, sixes or sevens or whatever the lucky number is that in your mind. And sometimes it comes up snake eyes. And sadly this year, more often than not, it has been snake eyes and even worse than that. It's just not worked for BYU. So JT, I wish I had more for you, but I would advocate for BYU to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, maybe try an eye formation. Put uh, Houston Haymuley out there. And yeah, the defense probably knows, hey, you know what they're going to do? They're going to run power here up the middle. Well, guess what? I'd rather have a 265-pound fullback coming downhill behind an offensive line that's averaging three bills plus across the front. And then, by the way, when if and when Chris Brooks is back, he's 230 pounds, 235 pounds, depending on, I guess, the day. And he comes downhill behind that? I would venture to say that you can pick up a yard or two behind all of that girth. I'd hope so. If not, maybe they're, maybe it's time to really burn that book as JT is advocating here. I, 
It's a it's a crazy crazy thing. All right, uh, final couple of things here. This comes in from Daniel Rigby. Uh, he sent this in. How many times are we gonna go keep running on short yardage uh, situations on third or fourth down before we realize it's not working? Well, going back to what JT just said, Daniel, uh, I don't know. And I think at times BYU uh, may be outthinking themselves at this point, essentially thinking, okay, we can't do what we've previously done. People know what's coming. Like, you know what? There was a time early on in the uh, era of uh, Jeff Grimes at BYU, and maybe you'll recall this. I think it was 2019. It might have been, yeah, it was, it might have been 2018 partially too, but BYU was absolutely horrendous. I mean, horrendous in the red zone, like in terms of converting points, in terms of getting field goals, and more importantly, touchdowns. The next year, BYU focused almost like full intention on once they get inside the 20, they would practice this day in and day out, converting uh, inside the red zone and getting touchdowns. And it paid off. BYU got much better in terms of their overall efficiency in the red zone. So maybe they need to just kind of get back to, you know what, let's go out there and run it down our defense's throat. But at the same time, so you're probably screaming, well, BYU's defense can't stop anybody, so how's that going to help it? <laughs> you know what, you got to practice it. That's the biggest thing. Other things, uh, Daniel Rigby saying, also I feel like the impact of injury has been severely overstated this year. There are always injuries. None of our losses would I point to injuries as the reason. I am so tired of hearing about injuries. It's interesting, Daniel. I I think I already kind of addressed that in the first part of today's podcast, but the injuries, yeah, I wouldn't point necessarily to injuries and say, that game's on injury. That game's on injury. Maybe some of you might point to Notre Dame thinking that maybe Jaron Hall, if he's not healthy, probably shouldn't have played in that game, but at this point, it's it, you're, you have to look forward. It's in the rearview mirror. There's nothing you can go to do to. There's nothing you can do to go back and change the outcome of that game. I know that ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a merry Christmas. I, I get all of that, but maybe it's a little overstated. The injury concerns for BYU. Now, the final thing is here, and this is the most important one from Daniel here. Thirdly, Jaron has passed a lot more to uh, Nakua the past couple of weeks. I mean, targeting Puka Nakua. It's good uh, in my mind, but this has also meant the less catches for the other guys. Has the Lack of spreading it around been detrimental for the offense. Now, Daniel, that's an interesting uh, comment because I don't know for certain. Because Puganakua, to me, you need, you cannot feed that man the ball enough, frankly. Uh, I think 11 targets is too low in many ways. He had 11 uh, receiving targets last year. I don't know how many rushes he had in the game, but... If a guy like Puganakua, if he is capable, I'd give him the ball upwards of 20 times in a game. He is just an absolute weapon. Get him the football. But at the same time, you can't solely make your offense on uh, rely on him at the same time. Because as you mentioned, is it affecting BYU's offense? Maybe in some ways it is. Because I, I, I still I still baffles me that Isaac Rex had zero targets in that game against ECU. That is just criminal, it feels like, uh, for him to have so few targets. And maybe it was just, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, voice going out uh, but maybe it was just due to the fact of his scheme uh, not his scheme, the scheme from ECU defensively that was just making it near impossible to give him targets, but you can scheme stuff up. You can get him looks. And obviously, other guys out there in the wide receiving core would love to see more looks. Uh, Braden Cosper's been very good. Keanu Hill's been very good this year. It sucks to lose Cody Epps. Uh, when Gunnar Romney's been out there, he's been fairly effective in the two games he's been out there for. Uh, Maybe they do need to mix it up a little bit more, but at the same time, I guess my biggest thing with the BYU offense right now is they need to kind of narrow in on what their tried-and-true bread-and-butter type plays are. The stuff that you know that, hey, if we're in this circumstance, we're going to run this play and it's going to work, you got to have that confidence. That, that's the biggest thing, especially when it comes uh, to all this stuff. And I've just realized I have the LinkedIn graphic up this whole time. Apologies for that. But nonetheless, uh, I would encourage you guys uh, to check out uh, all, of the, all of the different things that are going on with regards to BYU 
BYU in terms of in-game adjustments. That's something that, to pay attention to and try and identify this. That's something that as you watch more and more football, you start to really kind of narrow in, okay, what's BYU doing here? And what what is the idea of this? And you know in certain circumstances, trust me, I've watched enough football over the years and I've re-watched enough of these BYU games with my film review Mondays and all that stuff, and I've watched them in the offseason too, that I feel like in some ways there are certain circumstances BYU gets in, I'm talking like a third and five scenario, and I'm like, all right, uh, look at kind of where they're on the field, and I'm like, uh, watch a watch a short pass or watch a hitch route. Like there, you will start to pick up on what BYU's quote unquote uh, steak and potatoes type plays are. Like the, their go tos. The biggest thing is this year. How many go-tos have you seen really BYU narrow in on? I feel like in, at times they've kind of been uh, scrambling a bit to find some of that. And maybe that's a symptom just of the fact that BYU is trying to find anything at this point to get things going. It was good to see them get going on offense uh, last week against ECU. That was a fantastic thing to see that offense finally get untracked a little bit, but still need more. you got to win football games, and uh, we'll see what happens against Boise State. And Crazier things have happened. I actually saw this from Gregor Bell. The last two times BYU's played on the blue turf, they have scored a grand total of 100 points, 51 points in a beatdown of uh, Boise State in that COVID year. And then previous to that, playing up on the blue turf, it was the Zach Wilson perfect passing game in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl in 2018. So... They've had some good success in their last couple of trips to the Blue Turf. Might that continue this week? You'll have to tune in and find out on Saturday evening. All right, coming up here in just a minute, it is BYU exhibition opener number one for BYU men's basketball. What to make of the matchup tonight inside the Merritt Center? We'll get to that in just a minute. First, though, a word on our friends over at Bet Bet BetOnline is your number one source for all of your betting football and the start of the new basketball season. The best part is they can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth, uh, in-depth analysis on every game now at Bet Online, and as always, it remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, with the World Series ongoing, Go Phillies, MMA, boxing, and golf. <clears throat> Excuse me. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. That's Bet Online. <clears throat> wow, where the game starts. NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. It is so much fun uh, to hear from you guys uh, talking about uh, what you guys are grateful for. I asked for that on yesterday's podcast, and there were some uh, really good things uh, going on uh, out there. And uh, Guys like D.F. Oss, he uh, said this, I'm grateful for the courage of the BYU football team's courage to endure so many trials and tribulations as a shining example in helping others to get through our life challenges. I'm also grateful for the opportunity to contribute my faith and players to strengthen the BYU football program, hopefully in wins in the remainder of the season. I am grateful for the opportunity to pour out my soul for all those who are suffering the world that the grace of God may find its way into their healing and relief. So, uh, DF Ost, I, I appreciate that. He sent that in on uh, social media. Now, uh, he also talks about some of the other things he'd like to see BYU invest in, going back to our question on Monday. So, I, I think the biggest thing is, I guess my question today for you guys is, when it comes to BYU, as we get in here in the month of November, what is your prediction for BYU's record? Are you predicting them to go bowling? Are you predicting them to go 
go perfect in the month of November. Pull at 2014 where they lost all the games in the month of October and then made a run through December with a perfect record. I think they went uh, lost four games in 2014 in October, went 4-0 and uh, to finish out that season. Could be a similar thing here. Only three games in the month of uh, November though. So what's your prediction for BYU's record? I'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, send those in on your comments below on YouTube or send them in via social media. Always appreciate you guys uh, sending in your comments. Idaho Cougar fan says, I'm grateful to watch BYU football on TV every week, even though I miss being close to Provo and I miss going to all home games. So Idaho Cougar fan, thank you for weighing in on that. It's fun to hear from you guys. Uh, Luke Skywalker, thank you for doing this. We have a lot to be grateful for. I, I agree. We do have a lot to be grateful for. So uh, Marty Nabin, uh, Nabhan, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, Marty. Totally agree, brother. Gratitude all around. Uh, Frank, uh, Pink Nimin... Piknamina? Oh, man, I'm Frank, I apologize. I'm, I'm pretty good with Polynesian names, but I'm doing this on the spot. Pick Nimena, I think uh, the second says, grateful for Mo Betas. Hey, there you go. I can back that up. That's the thing about this. So give me a prediction. What do you predict for BYU in their final uh, stanza here of the 2022 football season? Do you predict them to go 2-1 and one and make it to a bowl game? Are you a sourpuss who thinks they lose out and go 4-8? and uh, four and what? Four, that'd be 4-8. and eight. Do you predict them to go 5-7? and seven? Do you predict them to go 7-5? Uh, and five? I'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, let me know what you think BYU's record is going to be, and thank you for all of your interaction. It's a ton of fun to hear from you guys every single day. All right, uh, final thing before we go here. BYU men's basketball is in action tonight. They'll be taking on Ottawa out of Arizona. They are an NAIA school. Actually, a very good team last year at their level. They played in the GSAC. I don't even know what that is. GSAC conference. I don't even know. Greater Southern Arizona Conference? I don't know. They're from Arizona. So, Ottawa is coming off their best uh, successful season in program history last season when they won a a program record 24 games and won the GSAC tournament championship. They're led by Matt Keeley, who is a two-time NCCAA West Region Coach of the Year, who has led a UOAZ to a record of 69-68 and during his tenure in Surprise, Arizona. And they have an All-American in Josiah De La Cerda, who returns for a senior season after averaging 17.2 points and 7.1 rebounds. He'll be leading the way for, uh, the, for the Ottawa Notes. Now, the notes, folks. I couldn't have told you that. You'd give me a million guesses. I would have never got it. Uh, so, big opportunity tonight. By the way, if you've not been in the Marriott Center yet, it's all blue seats. They have uh, completely done away with the bleachers and that that tan inside the arena. It's all blue seats. Uh, the capacity of the Marriott Center is now 17,978 after new chairs were installed in the upper level over the summer. So, looking forward to this matchup. Tonight, 7 o'clock, will be the tip-off uh, between the Notes and the Cougars. I think BYU should roll in this one, but hey, it's a first opportunity to really see BYU play against another team in in, uh, as they get ready for the upcoming season. By the way, the season tips off Monday night. Idaho State with Colby Lee, the former BYU big man, uh, making his return to the Marriott Center. Looking forward to that one on Monday night. So that's going to do it uh, for us here on the podcast. A big thank you once again for your support as always. Apologies uh, for the cracks in my voice today. Uh, hoping that it'll hold out for throughout the rest of the week. We'll have you covered all week long as we get ready for Boise State coming up on Saturday evening. As I mentioned, Clark Barrington has been rescheduled. Hoping to have him tomorrow. I'm planning on having him tomorrow, so stay tuned for that. And thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. Now go make your second listen to friends over the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Get it free and available wherever you get your podcasts just like this one and get caught up on all the Big 12 news you guys need to know about. That'll do it for me. Have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya. Hey Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.